The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Thanks, guys, for a wonderful day of worship. Thank you. couple of quick things for those of you who are thinking of going to Israel with you or have already made up your mind. There will be a meeting on the 22nd of February at 2 o'clock. It's, it's here Sunday, February 22, right here. We get everything finalized uh, for that. After the service today, you also want to see Jimmy Lukashaski. Jimmy, there may be one or two more to pay, and uh, so do that. We also—is there a meeting? Uh, we we just getting re- we're going to do we're going to start on fifteenth, right? Sunday, is that the fifteenth? It's in the bulletin. Everybody reads that, don't they? All right, let's pray. Father, we want to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. I was singing, we have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. The truth is, if we don't make that commitment in our heart of hearts, everything else is just fluff. It eventually boils down (coughs) to following in our deepest of hearts the Lord Jesus. And honor yourself today as we share the word in Jesus' name. Amen. I was listening last week to Grant's message. I was out of town last week. Or not out of town. I wasn't here at another church. And so I was, uh, uh, I'm not church shopping. I just... Was that another another church? But anyway, uh, I was listening to Grant's message, and it dawned on me, as it has several other times, that as we approach any message, the two of us are perfectly on the same page. We just we just approach a message from a different generation. It's just no other way to do it. He hadn't lived where I lived, and I was trying not to live where he lived. Like, you know, like in the 90s and so forth. I was just trying to miss all that. <laughs> and uh, so uh, it, uh, it always dawns on me. For instance, when he gives an invitation on Sunday, he asks people to come follow the Lord. Come follow the Lord. And I didn't like that. I wanted you to believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus. Problem is, growing up, watching a lot of our generation being very hypocritical. He saw a lot of people who claimed they believed in Jesus, but what? He didn't find that many that followed the Lord. So to him, as he gives a message of invitation, do we disagree on believing? Absolutely not. The only way you can get saved is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. But if you don't follow the Lord, your belief, it, it, we're back to, what's Chris's favorite verse, Chris Ellison? 
It's in, it's in James what? Oh, we got that. But he said, he always says the same thing. He always says, uh, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Be doers of the word. Well, that's the same message. If you don't get around to doing it, you can sit there and holler amen to you until your uh, larynx are tired. But belief always follows with doing something. And so as I listened last week, he has in his life experienced many wonderful sermons on tithing where people could just give as much as they wanted to but didn't live for Jesus. So he reduced that message back to where I'll end up today with it being a heart decision. But let me say this, for those of us of a certain age, the, tithe, the word tithe is not a dirty word. You understand? It's not a dirty word. Uh, neither is it a harsh word. Neither is it a mean-spirited word. It's not the law. We don't live under the law. But it's not a word without meaning. It's not a word without meaning. And I think we need to look and see the heart of the meaning and the history of the meaning and then bring it back to the application of giving as one prospers and one determines in his heart. Can we do that? In the very beginning in the Old Testament, God simply, he made it just real simple. The tenth part, the tenth part of everything you acquire is mine. And he used the word land. You have a piece of land, anything that tenth, that land produces, the tenth part of it is mine. If that's, uh, if you find gold on that land, tenth part of that gold belongs to him. If you raise crops on that land, tenth part of those crops belongs to him. If you raise cattle on that land, tenth part of that cattle goes to God. Everything, it was just cut and dried. One tenth of everything that you were able to produce simply went to God. Not only that, it was given to the temple, it was given to the temple priest. They were required, the temple priests were required to give one-tenth of that to God. Now, what did they do with all of those things that were brought to the temple? There was sacks of wheat brought. There were sheep and lambs of all kinds. There were, there were just every imaginable thing that could be grown. There was wine. There was oil. Uh, there, were, there was uh, fruit. What was, all, what was done with all of that? Well, there were a great number of priests that, that ministered in the service of the temple, and they used it to eat on. Also, they sold what they didn't eat and that they didn't use, and they used that for cash for the bricks and sticks of the temple work and of other ministries that uh, couldn't be paid for with uh, hard produce. But the one-tenth that they had... You know what they did with that one-tenth that the priest themselves gave? They burned it up. They burned it up. Why? It was God's. 
It had no other purpose. It was for no other. You say, surely not. You could have taken a tenth of that and given it to the poor. You could have taken a tenth of that and paid this and done this and helped out here. And you could have done all of those generous things. No, it was God's. You get the point? It was God's. Now, first of all, God already has 100% of it. I'm told that in today's world, there's less than a three-day food supply on the shelves of our supermarkets. Now, here in America, there's more than that. But you take worldwide the population, there's less than three days of food available. What would happen if terrorists got a hold of enough dirty bombs to contaminate the food chain? or the water supply. How long would it take for the richest people on the planet to be in deep trouble? You do understand, don't you, that every breath I breathe is a gift from God. If my heart pumps this minute, it is a gift of God. Everything everything. So it's no big deal to take 10% of anything but the tithe, the, the, the priest tithe, they took it and just burned it in smoke saying, God, it's all yours. You can do with it any way you please. So all throughout, and in fact, over in the book of Malachi, it's really funny. Because the people had gotten where they weren't doing what God said. And basically, he brought them all together and he said to you, he said, hey, y'all a bunch of thieves and liars. You're taking that that's mine and you're not giving it to me. But he said, I'm not angry about that. Here's what I want. I'm going to double dog dare you. <laughs> that's our God. Hey, I'm going to double dog dare you. You give that tenth and see, look, check, keep records, watch, and see if I don't more than take care of you. Open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing on you. And I have talked through the years to hundreds of people who faithfully, lovingly gave of their uh, incomes. And every, nobody has ever told me. They have always said, God took care of me. God bless me. God bless me. Now I'm going to point him out and get hurt his feelings. Jim Cole. Jim Cole ran a business one time. And they got down to not eating. Their employees ate. Jim paid his employees. Jim paid his suppliers but there wasn't very much to bring home, just enough for a little grocery. There wasn't no tithe in that. But Jim meticulously kept up with it. And when his big job finally came through and paid him, he paid himself, and immediately what? He paid that tithe. And God, and he'll tell you, just get up and listen to his story again and again and again and again and again how God blessed over and over and over 
again. Now, Jim may be a better man than I am because I'd have been mad somewhere about along in there when I went home, Linda asked me where the check was. And I said, hey, he's got a Linda too. <laughs> yeah, his Linda asked for the check too. <laughs> and then you say, well, I hadn't got one. She goes to the bedroom and cries. And you standing there saying, come on, God. <laughs> you remember when we started this whole series of messages when Grant told us to read our Bible? that part of the discipline of these Christian disciplines was to interrupt my regular life, was to make it a little bit inconvenient so that I force myself to focus on God? Well, if, if you're not reading your Bible enough, now listen to me, to work around a television schedule, if you're not reading your Bible enough to lay that computer down a little while, your little iPad, your little whatever stuff, then you're not, you're not bothering yourself at all. You're not interrupting yourself at all by reading the Word of God. If you just get around to reading it whenever you want to, uh, you know, uh, same thing about prayer. If prayer hasn't become significant enough to you, that there is a prayer time, not legalistic. I understand house catches on fire. You might ought to get out and pray in the yard. I got that, you know. And if you're in my case, pray that thing burns down, you know. But I mean, I know, I'm just kidding. And, uh, but uh, I mean, I understand that, but if prayer hasn't, you had not got a list, you're not writing s some prayer request down someplace, if it hadn't interrupted your life sufficiently to, to cause it to be a little different than the ordinary, you probably hadn't developed a, f a prayer life yet. And while I'm not the poster child for fasting, that's a joke, huh? <laughs> Well, you see, Grant can just preach on fasting until his heart's content. <laughs> Joe, shut up. <laughs> I, I'm, not, <laughs> I, I'm not the poster child, but I can tell you, if you look like me, you probably haven't done much fasting. <laughs> what do you think? Shut up. hurt my feelings. <laughs> Same thing about giving. Ought to be some interruption in your life. We're going to be looking at serving. People tell me I don't have time to serve in the church. And I've tried to be nice about that. But you just got your priorities messed up. That's all I can tell you. Because serving is a part of a discipline of giving God. You know, listen, in the Old Testament, God asked for like a tenth of your, your, your income. You know how much of your time he asked for? Well, how about a seventh for sure? He asked for the whole day. Now, I may be wrong, but in a seventh bigger than a tenth... So he was actually asking for more personal time 
than he was actual income? Have you disrupted your own selfish life enough to begin to serve the Lord, take on a ministry, be a part of it? Even meeting together on Sunday, uh, I was, I'll be honest with you, I have to apologize from the depth of my heart. When we signed up for precept, I thought if we got 10, we'd done big. We'd have done a big job. I thought if we finished with five, we'd done a really big job. We're starting out with what, Grant, close to 60? I still, no, I'm not going to bet. I'm still going to have to owe you an apology if we get to the end of that thing with 30, more than 30. Because that commitment to do your homework and show up every Sunday night for 12 weeks is a commitment. It is a commitment. Okay? It's a commitment. And so that's the type of thing that, we, that Grant's been preaching on. He's been preaching on the disciplines of forging my life, literally taking my life out of, out of uh, easy street cruise control and putting some intention to focus on my life so that I could serve the Lord. So that's clear what happened in the Old Testament. What did Jesus say about the deal? Well, Jesus was with those Pharisee guys. He and those Pharisee guys didn't get along very well. Uh, they were the uppity crust church member type guys that thought more about the organization than they did the Lord. They're more interested in the and in the ceremony than they were uh, the the master of the ceremony. You understand? It ought to be about Jesus. Remember, it, it's about Jesus. It, it's about God. It's not, you know. I told you about that. I was youth director once. I know you don't ever believe I was that young. But that's okay. I was Randy Lockley's youth director. Ooh, that wasn't a good idea either. But anyway, one day, one Sunday night, a girl was going to bring me a kitty cat. I didn't want a kitty cat. I lived in an apartment. I didn't need a kitty cat. No, that did not deter her. She brought the kitty cat. She brings it into the church. She's backing me up, and I hit the altar table. She handed me the cat, and without thinking, I sat down on the Lord's table. Shock, God forbid. And I'm telling you, there was some lady watching, and she blessed me out for desecrating the Lord's table and bringing that cat into the sanctuary. You understand? And, and so there are folks in this world who are more interested in the Lord's table over there, that piece of wood, than they were that little girl's heart because it hurt that little girl's feelings. And she didn't know. She was just trying to do something good, she thought. Either that or her mother told her to get rid of the cat, I'm not sure. But Jesus ran into some of those kind of folks and they were tithing to the point that they tithe. I want to show you what uh, the New Living Translation says. This is going to be Luke eleven forty two. 42. 
but it's the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens or your herb garden, but you ignore justice and the love of God. Well, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Now, that's kind of where my brother saw this. He has seen a lot of religion that did not end up in loving the unloved, justly loving all people, and loving the Lord God, but they got that church thing right. They got all their little I's dotted, and they got all their little T's crossed, but they did not serve and love people and the living God. And that's a reminder to all of us. Church, your fellowship in Christ, your relationship in church is hugely important. But it's not more important than people and God. You got to love people and you got to love God and you can't play church. But yes, Jesus said you should have time. Now, we go all the way over to the Hebrews. We're talking now the Apostle Paul and his writing to the church. And you can turn there in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. There's a coffee house out in Atoka named Hebrews. It's a Christian coffee house. Somebody caught it. Thank you. Y'all worry me sometimes. I'm going to have to do like Grant. Right? <laughs> or go like this. That'll work. All right. Now we're talking about Melchizedek, and that's a whole different story, but it's the first priest that's mentioned in the Bible, this guy that was the king of Salem, which is the king of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, okay? And uh, we don't know where he came from. We have no idea. The Bible gives us no hint who this Melchizedek guy is, except it says this about him. He's the king of Salem, priest of the Most High, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed them, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, this guy's king of righteousness, and after that also the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. And uh, he resembles the Lord Christ in that, it appears without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, and abideth a high priest continually. So this, this chapter is about not only Melchizedek in his special role and the tithe given to him, it goes on to talk about the temple priest and the tithe given to them, but then it says... But who's bigger than all of them? Our great high priest, Jesus Christ. 
And basically the point being made is simply this. Whatever honor or service was rendered to Melchizedek and to earthly priests certainly ought to be extended even more graciously to Jesus, our high priest. Now, having said all of that, I want us to take a look at a couple of more things. We get into the other teachings of the New Testament, the one that Grant was in last week. And I want to give you a practical pattern for giving. Because even though the law, uh, the, the, the word tithe is no longer a law for the believers, we know it to be an example. We know it to be a pattern. We know it to be uh, a guide for us. But we're not saved by the law. Nobody was ever saved by the law. So you're not saved by doing the law. And this tie thing is no longer the law. But you know what I loved what Dr. Rogers used to say? Dr. Rogers used to say this. To do less than was required under the law is a disgrace to grace. To do less in the time of grace than was done under the law is a disgrace to grace. But here's what I do believe that has been set up for us. And you had those passages last week. I don't know what time we are. I can't see that thing. See, I quit a long time before Grant does. All right. I want you to turn 2 Corinthians where we were Yes, uh, last week, 2 Corinthians, and uh, we're going to do, I'm going to pick up in 5. 2 Corinthians is after 1 Corinthians, isn't it? Y'all see my nostalgic Bible? This was the Bible I went to Bible college with. And uh, it... uh, I have writing in the front of it where it was given to me on my 18th birthday. It's a tough Bible to be out old, isn't it? See? But I had a lot of notes concealed in there from earlier days. And uh, I knew uh, where I wanted to look for these things. But um, he was asking these folks to take up an offering. Here's what he said. I'm in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 8. And this they did. He'd ask them, said, there, there's, a, there's a special need uh, beyond regular giving. There's a special need. I want you to take care of it. And, and I believe this teaches the whole Christian attitude of the New Testament. Here it is. He said, I want you to, to help these folks out giving this offering. And he said, this they did, but not as we had hoped. In other words, they did a lot better than what Paul was asking for. And he said, uh, first of all, they gave themselves to the Lord. Did you sing that song with me this morning? I have decided to follow Jesus. Did you sing that song? See, that's what matters in this whole business. When you start any business of whether you're going to give a nickel, and, and by the way, uh, 
uh, I, my two favorite things that I have in my office uh, are these two little widow's mites that I got when I was in Israel. Because you remember that lady gave two pennies. Actually, they were quarters of pennies. I mean, they were, <laughs> I don't know how you figure that out. She gave a half a cent. Okay, we don't have a coin like that. But what did it represent? All she had. So what was she telling me up on the front end? She was telling me she had given first of all what? Herself to God. You understand? That girl, that girl had given herself to Jesus. So it wasn't the amount of money that made any difference. But it was the first thing she had given her heart to the Lord. Not only did they give themselves unto the Lord uh, in verse 5, but unto us by the will of God. In other words, they bought in to what Paul and the other leaders of the church were asking them to do. So they supported, number one, the Lord Christ first, and second of all, they followed the spiritual leadership that God gave them. Right? They gave themselves first to the Lord and unto us. And then we find uh, from there, and I'm, and I'm going to go on. And he said, not only did they give, but in, uh, let's see where I am now, in seven, and uh, move down, therefore, as ye abound in everything in faith, utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence in your love to us, see that you abound, what does the word abound mean? Abound in this also. And see, that's what he asked them to do was to abound. I want y'all to make life really, really hard on Grant. Yeah, I do. Next week, I want y'all to give $100,000 to the offering plate. And I'm just going to sit back and watch him. No, let me tell you, his mind is quick as his mouth is. That boy would have a million projects going to glorify God in the morning. Now you see, uh, Grant, is that the normal conversation we have on Mondays? Is about what to do with all that money? Every Monday. Every Monday. We, <laughs> yeah, lie. <laughs> you know, most of the time you sit around and you say, well, how are we going to get all this done with that? You follow me? It's how we're going to get on this done with that. And literally, it ought to be the other way around. The problem ought to be that we have to be very discerning how God wants to use the abundance that has been supplied. That is really what the whole, the whole idea is. Uh, give us a challenge. Let us figure out how to do that. But it also says in verse 14 that it's going to be done in an equitable manner. And, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may buy a supply for their want and that their abundance may also be a supply for your want uh, when, and there may be equality. In other words, what he's saying is, and there's an old saying that says, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifices. Not equal gifts, but equal sacrifices. Depending on how God has prospered you. 
Remember, depending on how God's prospered you, you make an abounding sacrifice that fits inside your parameter. It's done willingly over in chapter 9 and not grudgingly. It's not forced. It's something cheerful. I'm going to ask the elders in a few weeks to quit taking up the offering. There will be a box at every door, a freestanding box in the hallway. It's not my responsibility to yank money out of your pocket. It's your responsibility to take serious this business of funding the Lord's work. We're going to sing worship and praise right on through that time. But as we leave, every one of us will have a responsibility to do what? To give as the Lord God blesses and puts it on our heart and we will do so in a way that abounds. Now, over in 1 Corinthians, we learn to do that regularly and we learn to do it purposefully. In other words, he said, he said on first day of the week, everybody lays aside an amount. You, now, online giving has really helped our bottom line and it, it, it really has. I, I'm old. Well, I'm not. Linda writes checks. And uh, shoot, I, I do payroll withdrawal on my time. I just, I don't, I don't want any slip-ups. You know, Jimmy just takes, takes it. When, when he writes me a check, it's already gone. And uh, that's, that, you know, because Linda would write a check and hand it to me, and I'd carry it around my pants for, until it wore out. And she'd hand me another, and I said, ooh, I ain't given them that one yet. And so... The, the best way that a lot of young people especially, how many, never mind, how many in here do not have a checkbook with you? Raise your hand high. Come on. Some of you don't even own one. I gave a little girl a check one time at the, at the drugstore, and she said, what's that? <laughs> and she was old enough to work at a store. She said, I think I saw one of those in the seventh grade one time. I said, what do you think? I got moss growing on me. What is the deal here? But online giving, it doesn't matter, but there has to be a time. You don't come to church and say, oh, let's see what I have in here today. Oh, well, there's two fives. I'd give that. That's not the way it works. It's a part of your worship and prayer experience. You have prepared a four-time and you come and you do so purposefully. You have, you have a, your mind made up. You know what it is. And you give that in a regular basis. Now I want to conclude this way. So what was the tithe? It was the tenth part. It was Old Testament law. Jesus carried it through. But you understand that the law didn't end to the cross. But even in pattern and type and example, it was mentioned in the book of Hebrews. I got online last night and looked up the median income 
of Bartlett, median household income of Bartlett. And I did that by 10%. And you know what that looks like in most cases? A car note. Now, I'm not setting rules here. I'm not setting rules. But when you go down to sign up for a car note, you do understand that's a commitment, don't you? You do understand that they're going to come get you and the car and all, you pay it, right? That's what 10% kind of looks like. Now, I don't know where you are in your giving. I don't need to know. You don't, you, your neighbor doesn't need to know. Nobody needs to know. You and God only. You and God only. You do it joyfully. You do it in, in, in response as God's prospered, as he's put it in your heart. All those things that my brother truthfully set out there. Everything he said is 100% right. The only difference is that as your senior pastor, I came and said to you today, let me tell you what it looks like, what the pattern looks like. Let me tell you what the example looks like. Now, what we need to do, folks, is grow in our giving to where we're a church that abounds in our giving. We abound in our giving. I want my little brother to have the freedom. I want the elders to have the freedom to seek God and to be have their backs to the wall in the responsibility of not eking out something for missions, not eking out something for ministry, but I want them to have to be on their face before God to take the abound that we've given them and cause them to seek God for the exact righteous way to use what he's provided. And God will bless this church. God will, will focus you in a way toward heaven that you do not ever expect. Father, it begins very simply with they gave themselves to God. They gave themselves to God. Period. So you may be first time here today. You say, man, every time I come to church, they talk about money. You ain't been in a while. Because Grant did it yesterday for the uh, Sunday for the first time in a year. And it's the second time in a year. So you ain't been here very often. But uh, it's not about money. It's about giving yourself to God. It's about buying in to the ministries and the leadership that the church offers to be generous and loving and, and share and grow in our ministry to where uh, you, you, you give us resources for those things that are in our heart. It's sad to be a minister and you discover a need, one that you think your heart would bleed for. No, well, there's no money for that. There's no money for that. There's no money for that. There's plenty. There's bukus. They first gave themselves to God.
then to us. And then they gave with a bound. This generosity that was welling up in their heart. How God had blessed. If you need to trust and believe in Christ today, you come. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus, you come. You want to join this church, you come. Grant and I will be down here, other elders if we need. And we're going to pray for you as God brings uh, to, our, to our hearts. You first, God, you first. I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen.